Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Welcome to the Security on Cloud podcast. Brought to you by Anishin, where cloud security and compliance are top of mind. Join the conversation with your hosts, John Vecchi and Scott Emo. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Security on Cloud podcast. It's live on Anishin Radio. I'm your host, John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. You know, it seems that all you hear about these days is cloud. And for good reason. The advantages, the scale, the cost savings. You know, there's even a top 15 cloud security podcast list, which, by the way, includes this Security on Cloud podcast. You know, I figure a little shameless self-promotion was in order for all that. Anyway, we thought it would be a great idea to welcome a guest who literally works in the cloud. That's right, Scott. You know, there are many cloud providers out there. But why not talk about cloud security with one of the fastest growing and largest cloud providers in the world, Microsoft Azure. With that, let's welcome today's guest. He's a chief security advisor in Microsoft's security solutions area. He supports U.S. and allied governments' information assurance and cybersecurity efforts by helping CISOs and mission teams modernize their security and compliance strategies, focusing on areas like zero trust, cloud, First Identity and SOC Operations, he helps companies and CISOs understand Microsoft's perspectives on the evolving cyber threat landscape. He's part of the Security Cooperation Program, which is Microsoft's Cyber Threat Information Sharing Program for Global Certs, and previously ran the Government Security Program, which is Microsoft's Global Trust and Transparency Initiative for Information Assurance and National Security Bodies. Prior to Microsoft, he spent years in the U.S. government working on counterterrorism, information operations, and regional security issues. Coming to us from Bellevue, Washington, it's our pleasure to welcome Mark McIntyre to the Security on Cloud podcast. Mark, welcome. Hey, thanks very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. And yes, I'm sort of in the clouds. I'm on the second floor of my house and it's raining today. So yes, <laughs> good timing. <laughs> I'm sure you guys need some rain up there. So right. uh, it's it's awesome. Look, we've uh, Scott and I, we've been, we've been plugging on this podcast. And I know for our listeners, we've always wanted to have, you know, a, a, one of the biggest cloud providers as our guest. We talk cloud all the time. So we're really thrilled to have you with us today. It's, it's, uh, we've got a lot to cover. But look, before we dive in to the many topics we have, we thought for our listeners, just tell us a bit about it's a, such an interesting function you have there. It's sure. fascinating. Can you tell us just a little bit about what it is to be a chief security advisor at Microsoft and Microsoft Azure? Sure. Well, uh, like you said, you know, I, I've been the company about uh, just about 14 years, actually 14 years ago tomorrow, uh, June 11th, as I recall, 2007. And um, most of my time in the company uh, has been spent uh, supporting our uh, federal government uh, security information assurance work, uh, but I've also uh, supported uh, you know, e uh, efforts uh, with NATO and with some other you know, Five Eyes and other you know, close uh, ally partnerships around the world. 
And uh, I'm part of a team of uh, global uh, security advisors. I have peers uh, in the United States, Canada, uh, Japan, uh, Australia, uh, around Europe. And, you know, these are former CISOs of large organizations, uh, you know, Fortune 100 companies, things like that. And so we work with, uh, with our counterparts, our peers, uh, chief information security officers and their teams, uh, you know, to help them, uh, you know, understand uh, where we're going as a company, align roadmaps, uh, look for ways, lessons learned, you know, just look, look for ways to help modernize their security posture. So it's a pretty cool job. You know, I mean, I, I get to work with CISO teams around the U.S. government and the defense industrial base, advise them on, on our investment strategies and priorities, you know, uh, and, you know, and of course, to an extent, you know, how we build these capabilities into our technologies. Uh, you know, these are high threat, <clears throat> excuse me, just like Microsoft, you know, these are high threat organizations in the news a lot. Uh, and we have been getting the questions uh, more and more in the last several years, you know, Microsoft, you know, you know, how do you do this? You know, you're a huge company working around the world. How do you, you know, modernize your security or how do you think about, you know, uh, employee device policy or, you know, you know, how do you maintain that balance, you know, between productivity and security? So our job is to really help, uh, you know, have those, those types of discussions that we can then use to inform engineering leadership on the right investments that we need to make to make sure that we're, you know, putting these capabilities, you know, into our products to help the government. Wow. Well, so, yeah. you, you know, I, um, that is, uh, that's a big job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, um, you know, I, I, I actually was, um, I, I'm actually going to shift a little, a little sure. bit of gears because, um, you know, if we, we've discussed in this podcast, how the, you know, the COVID pandemic has accelerated digital transformation, you know, for, for a number of different companies. And, um, you know, what we were wondering is, you know, what are, what are you seeing as, a, as the driving force for today's organizations that are, that are transforming and migrating to Azure? Sure. Well, you know, there are obvious, uh, you know, business benefits, cost benefits. Uh, I mean, obviously going to the cloud, uh, you know, allows an organization to, let's say, get out of the business of managing a lot of that, you know, traditional data center infrastructure and those systems and focus more on their core business, um, you know, core businesses or missions, objectives. Um, you know, you think about, it was this uh, June of 2021. So, you know, we've been doing this 15, 16 months almost now. Obviously light is coming, you know, at the end of the tunnel. But, mm -hmm. you know, our CEO, Mr. Nadella, a few months into the pandemic, you know, he made a comment uh, uh, essentially that, you know, we've been forced to squeeze you know, three years of digital transformation to three months, right? And so yep. it's massive, uh, you know, even, even the U.S. government, you know, where we saw DOD and other organizations uh, adopt telework, you know, pretty quickly and, uh, you know, very impressive uh, effort that way. But, you know, these are, these are still trends, uh, the trends, you know, that we see around telework and around, uh, anal you know, collecting, analyzing, you know, massive data, big data, um, device policy, these are trends that were already occurring, you know, so I think the, the pandemic has just accelerated, um, you know, what was already happening anyway, and, you know, coming out the other side of it, you know, it's, it's obvious we're going to see more flexibility in the workforce, um, you know, which obviously is going to, you know, is already and continue to change the way that, you know, CISO teams have to think about defending, uh, you know, the organization. Yeah. It's yeah. that it's, it's so true. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned it, right. That, for a lot of companies, and we 
we're, we crammed a lot of transformation into a very short amount of time. And, right. and, you know, for, for many companies, the pandemic problem, you know, I'm, I'm guessing forced companies, as you mentioned, to focus on their mission. Sure. And in some cases that was not only making sure to empower workers and their remote workers, and but maybe pivot to another market, uh, which the, the, the cloud could, could empower. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Um, but you know, of course, getting to the cloud, migrating to the cloud, you know, uh, pursuing that mission, um, can certainly have its challenges. Right. So, right. you know, from, from your perspective, you mentioned earlier, you know, you talked to these the CISOs and the companies about the roadmaps, what you're doing, some of the challenges, you know, what are the, com- there's so many, right. We talk, we, sure. we, we often call them speed bumps yep. that companies face specifically with security as they move from a data center focused model to suddenly the cloud and everything's very, very different. Um, but do you see certain speed bumps that, that are big challenges for these CISOs as they move to the cloud, build applications in Azure and to seek that, you know, business mission? Sure. I I see. I mean, I see several, but (laughs) interest of time, we can focus on a couple. First of all, let's, you know, the, the, I guess uh, the, let's say the the good news, right? The the, the cool thing is that um, even compared to five years ago, um, we're not really having any discussions now about the value, the security value, the efficacy of of cloud. You know, people get it, right? Uh, you see around U.S. government and DoD, even in the IC, you see increasing you know focus on uh, acceptance of uh, you know, cloud first, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, however, you know, it, it took us time to get there, but now the conversations are not, you know, why should we do this? It's more help us do this. Right. Uh, so people get, uh, get that value. Um, so the key themes that I see then are really more around, uh, orchestration and let's say execution, mm-hmm. uh, f- first and foremost, you know, and this isn't just the government, we see this globally. Um, let's say there's a, we, we really have to do a better job uh, collectively in helping, uh, you know, our customers understand roles, responsibilities, right? As you move from traditional on-premises, let's say all the way up into a SaaS, you know, let's say a, you know, pure cloud environment, who owns what, right? Uh, mm. What does the cloud provider do for you or one of their partners? You know, what are they responsible for? Let's say if you're working with more IaaS, or PaaS or the SaaS, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a really funny uh, a graphic that I you, you, anyone could look up online. It's uh, whoever did it's a genius. It's a uh, it's been pot, you know copied many times. It's the 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 famous you know pizza as a service graphic. You know if you want a great way to visualize <laughs> roles responsibilities in the cloud and one that also I suppose makes you hungry, pizza. Is, it's a really sort of brilliant uh, you know picture being a thousand words model. That's a, just yep. wicked marketing. But um, one thing I, you know, that we emphasize a lot, or really trying to do more of, are these, you know, proactive tabletops. So we can be really clear as we're working with a customer to migrate uh, resources to the cloud, or if they're, you know, creating net new resources, um, let's let's do walkthroughs and tabletops. We can get really crisp on who owns what responsibility. And um, second area, I guess, you know, it's related. Would be more around, uh, let's say, ownership or, or inventory. You know, as you move into the cloud, uh, what do you actually get access to, or you know, what what can you start consuming? Um, you know, I was on a call just yesterday with uh, several defense industrial base 
members, uh, all uh, s- several CISOs. And I was uh, simply showing them uh, just a, fi- a quick five, 10 minute you know, demo of of our uh, of our Azure Security Center offering, which is it's a free offering, so there's no mm-hmm. you know there's no blatant sales pitch here. It's free, right? And uh, it's essentially built in cloud posture configuration management. It's a hygiene tool, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know it's designed to to show you the health, let's say, of your hybrid infrastructure. Um, none of and this is no one's fault. Uh, you know, none of these individuals I talked to had heard of it. You know, they just weren't aware that it was built in for them to use. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we in the industry and, and and our partners, we have to do a better job making sure that that our customers and, and users are, you know, that they know about some of these tools that are just built in to help them, you know, facilitate uh, these migrations, you know, and become, you know, hopefully even more secure uh, as they, you know, move more resources into the cloud. And a lot of that, of course, is just, I mean, the, the expansive cloud native tool set that, sure. that's there. Um, and, and that's the power of it, right? They can literally swipe their credit card and stand these up. But that's if right. they don't know that, if they don't know they exist, especially development teams and security teams, uh, right? If they don't know they exist, it's right. <laughs> I can see how that would just be uh, deer in the headlights as to what do I do next? What do I stand up next? Is that safe to say? Definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on us. You know, to make sure that we, uh, you know, uh, we need to do a better job making sure that partners and customers are aware of the capabilities. And I think uh, to your point, also, we also want to make sure that that we know which particular customer or stakeholder, business owner, risk owner, whoever in the organization, you know, should own that particular tool or at least should be using it. You know, is it a compliance team? Is it a security team? You mm-hmm. know, is it a is it a, a you know DevSecOps management? It's a, mm-hmm. a lot of things for us to still work through. This is still you know believe it or not, this is still considered early days for cloud. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Mark. Um, now yeah. in uh, in in your intro, uh, you uh, you we we heard that uh, you worked uh, a ton with the uh, you know the federal government, you know uh, federal government side, you know that 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 area, and um, so I got to figure that uh, you probably aware of the uh, the presidential executive order on cybersecurity that's kind of driving you know it, it, it seems like it's going to be driving a lot of uh, direction in cybersecurity and a lot of you know help anyway what you know do you have any thoughts on you know on that executive order and and kind of you know what that includes and you know where where you think that might that might drive us never heard of it no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what executive order? I, I thought my I thought our odds were pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. I knew with that we were not going to get through today without talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's a great. It's I think it's a great uh, step forward. Uh, first of all, just a disclaimer. You know, I am speaking sort of personally as not necessarily on behalf of my company, um, although we certainly are. You know. T- uh, you know, working aggressively to make sure that we educate our customers and partners on, you know, our, our perspective on it and such. Certainly read the executive order several times. Um, I guess I have, I have three takeaways. You know, first of all, it's definitely, I'll say, uh, long overdue and it's very much welcome. I just, you know, for any sort of a security uh, strategy or policy or program to work, you have to have top-down you know, management support and attention. And the language here and the executive order suggests, you know, certainly suggests that, suggests that we're going to see more rigor, uh, hopefully, you know, more thoughtful approach around you know, proactive security, and maybe even to some some extent a hammer, you know, a little more of a hammer coming down, uh, which is great. Um, 
particularly mm-hmm. around things like uh, supply chain, software integrity. And of course, you know, some of the really, really uh, upfront language in the EO, you know, was around, you know, zero trust and mm-hmm. modernizing, modernizing identity and, you know, cloud first approach. I think, you know, definitely those are the right, uh, the right ways to go. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, the extent that, uh, you know, the extent to which, um, you know, as future guidance comes out uh, from uh, from CISA, um, you know, around some of the terminology and expectations, it'd be interesting to see uh, how it evolves, particularly around um, the contractor ecosystem. One, one last thing I, I should probably, I want to focus on just quickly, given my background, is um, information sharing. Mm-hmm. This is always uh, a tough one, uh, public-private information sharing. I have a long history in my company of facilitating facilitating these types of uh, arrangements with the U.S. government and certs around the world. It works. I should say when it works, it works great. Uh, however, I, I really want to you know caution that um, this should not be seen as a substitute, a panacea. Uh, it, it should not substitute for that. You know, let's say the hard work of doing the hygiene and modern. You know, modernizing your strategies and operations. We have to. It has. To, it has, certainly has a role, and it's a great chance for us to work together. You know, in a more cohesive way. Uh, but it's not a. You know, it's not a panacea for, for doing that. You know, that real hard work of making the commitment to modernize. Yeah, and and further to that, I mean, we we saw what whether it was this week or just toward the tail end of last week. You know, the suggestion around the ransomware um, with some of these attacks relative to, you know, the Biden administration talking about that kind of information sharing, specifically given all the ransomware attacks we've had. That's right. I mean, how realistic is it? I mean, and again, like the executive order, we that have spent a lot of time in cybersecurity welcome this. Right. It doesn't mean we haven't seen efforts like this in the past that potentially didn't go too far. This one is has some teeth to it. Um, but specific to that, even on on the side of ransomware, what what do you think when you see those kinds of requests? Is it realistic? Could it happen? Is it hard? Is it possible? Is it somewhere in between? Well, like anything, it'll probably depend on um, you know how the final rules and regulations uh, uh, you know shape out and, and you know and get published. There's a you know, obviously there's a certain reporting cadence or, or you know reporting deadlines. From CISA, um, mm-hmm. the next several months, I believe. Uh, but you know, I think it's a, I think it's a great first step in that it, it, we, you know, we we should be more um, assertive. You know, the, the, the government should be more assertive about creating expectations, you know, around transparency and, and such. It's you know, it's it's understandable. I mean, you know, it it it's okay in, in a sense. It's okay to be you know probed and attacked. I mean, that just happens, right? The question is, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you respond to it? And how do you maintain the trust, you know, within your constituents, especially in critical infrastructure? Uh, you know, how do you show, you know, your, your customers and your partners that you are doing the needful, you know, that you are taking this seriously and maybe some, you know, if, if, if it takes some accountability around uh, reporting, then I think that's a great step forward. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, of course, we can we can assume that part of the reason of this executive order was to help you know articulate a strategy for not only yeah. you know the government side and the DOD side you know leveraging um, you know 
cloud service providers and independent software vendors technology, but also as a model for private companies to yeah. you know deploy. And I think uh, you mentioned it before that the big piece of the executive order, which and, and of course we we love to see that that mentions automation in the cl- in that cloud first strategy, which is for fantastic. Sure. Um, and talks a lot about uh, you know zero, the zero trust side, um, and you know speaking from from an Anishian perspective, again, this podcast is is brought right. to us by Anisha. We don't talk a lot, but I mean, obviously where we're working very closely with, with, with Microsoft and Azure is to automate that environment that the application lives in and, and create this zero trust environment. But as you talk to these companies, as we talked to earlier, who are moving to the cloud and having some of these challenges, and then they see the executive order where it says zero trust, zero trust, right. automation, cloud first, all these practices, um, you know, what is, what are you and the Microsoft Azure team saying to those companies in, in ways you can help with, with things yeah. like that for them? Right? That's a great point. We, I mean, you know, this is um, more a matter of how much time you have today to talk about this because we could talk all day. Um, I mean, we have been investing heavily in zero trust and automation internally in terms of how mm-hmm. we, um, how we uh, protect our own environment. And this, this, predates the pandemic, you know, by several years, um, almost without exception, the, the vast majority of my discussions, uh, since the, you know, during this pandemic have been on zero trust and on, we'll say modernizing security operations through automation, uh, just about, I mean, not a day goes by. I don't have at least one or two, you know, partner customer facing conversations about it or internal sessions with my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about how we've been doing it internally gives us a chance to, you know, let's say break bread and with our you know, federal partners, walk through some lessons learned, use cases, things like that. We also have, you know, created extensive library of content uh, around uh, you know, Zero Trust Deployment Center, dedicated website, reference architectures, um, you know, workshop materials. Um, I even uh, participated, uh, helped uh, helped write a, with a colleague in Azure, you know, we collaborated on a six-part blog series on implementing zero trust for federal systems, you know, and so we, we mm-hmm. mapped we mapped the so-called pillars. Microsoft has a six-pillar approach. We mapped these pillars to NIST and TIC 3.0. Uh, that, that actually predates the NIST finalizing as 800-207, you know, zero trust document. So we'll continue, you know, we will keep pushing, uh, pushing out more, you know, updated guidance. Automation, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this. This is, you know, if, especially if you think about the talent shortage uh, that we hear about mm-hmm, security, mm-hmm. you know, apologize, my phone just rang. Um, you know, you think about the talent shortage in the industry, uh, as my former boss, uh, uh, Ann Johnson, and the company used to call it the analyst fatigue, SecOps fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can really, and if, so you have this going on at the same time, you have this explosion of device usage and data, you know, and so increasingly, our customers are going to have two choices. You know, they could they could they can buy infrastructure or they can run their business. You won't be able to do both. <laughs> and right. so this is a great chance where we can work together, Microsoft and Nation. You know, we can deliver these you know cloud powered, cloud native, automated solutions. You know, it's a way to really help machines and cloud do that. You know, do that first level, that tier one type, uh, uh, you know, security compliance work that that frees up resources, uh, frees up the frees up the human, you know, the, the humans that the SecOps teams and such frees them up to actually do the more, you know, the higher level, you know, uh, response work and intermediation. 
And real quickly, do you, do you see when you talk to CISOs uh, around that, right? And, and one of the things we tout as automation is that yeah. please, you know, let let the machines, let the code do work that manually right. can cause trouble. Uh, as as we look at the statistics of cloud breaches, the overwhelming majority of them are the result of misconfigurations in the cloud, which oftentimes That's right. can can come back to manual because we're human, we make mistakes. That's right. Um, do, are you seeing CISOs understanding the power of letting machines do a lot of this it, it, relative to keeping them even more yep. secure? Is that is that safe to assume? And for our listeners as well, that CISOs are understanding that? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I waited, I hesitated a little bit because I, uh, coming from the federal government, uh, I spent, you know, 11 years of my career in the Intel community. Mm-hmm. Um, it does b- differ a bit, I think, um, you know, between, let's say, some of the DOD IC customers and, let's say, more federal civilian, um, particularly around understanding, like, for example, uh, the threat actors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but by and large, uh, yes, I think more and more organizations, you know, are, understand that, you know, um, automation is a great opportunity for them to, you know, let machines, let cloud do that. Ninety you something know, percent of that of that work, so they can you know focus their people on the 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 uh, you know the higher level alerting. I think that uh, the issue is more you know making them comfortable with the idea that this is not an all or nothing. We're not mm-hmm. forcing anyone into the cloud tomorrow. It's a, you go at your pace, you know, go where it makes sense, and also you know it's a great chance to um, to save you know to, to save some money, you know, save budget. To show that you can modernize while also being responsible to your budget, which is a great way to show that, um, you know, to to show a CIO or a CTO or oversight committees, whoever, to show that you know that you're modernizing and that you are um, uh, making a difference because uh, there's certainly you know I think numbers that back that up, um, and therefore you can sort of feed that itself. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mark, also in the uh, in the executive order, uh, yeah. a lot of there, there was a lot of talk about uh, FedRAMP and, um, yes. uh, you know, and well, in FedRAMP is, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot more demand for FedRAMP and, you know, Fed and that type of thing um, that uh, from from our perspective anyway, because, you know, the, it's like a. T- $250 billion federal market, um, you know, for SaaS companies to, to sell into that. So it's, it's, it's exploding from our perspective. So are, are you seeing more of a demand uh, from, you know, the Azure side from, you know, for FedRAMP and FedRAMP onboarding for your customers? Uh, certainly. I mean, just in my own personal experience, I had, I think, three calls last week with uh, ISVs, you know, looking to expand in the federal market. In some cases, uh, one case, you know, the uh, healthcare uh, solution company and you know uh, so some of their federal healthcare related organizations are essentially telling them you know we need you to come into FedRAMP so um, yeah they're definitely being faced with requirements this is a real long expensive tedious process unfortunately uh, they just don't have the experience uh, in in going through the process so you know certainly not a process that we would recommend for the faint of heart or for you know an ISV or an organization to do on their own for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we really, you know, really uh, lean on, uh, you know, uh, partners, you know, such as Anishin to help get these organizations through this process, you know, get them compliant. And, um, and of course, you know, we'll continue to update our documentation and, 
capabilities to do all we can to enable our partners to, you know, to, to accelerate this process as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at FedRAMP, um, it's a very high threshold, right? It's a very secure, yeah. uh, standard. And, I, and, 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 you know, so we tell people, look, once you become f- compliant and certified on, on the FedRAMP side, man, most things <laughs> that come your way, uh, you're pretty, you're in pretty good shape. Um, we, we, we refer to it to our customers as ready once audit many. In other yeah. words, if you're ready for FedRAMP, man, most of the other mandates that might come to you from an audit perspective, compliance perspective, security perspective, um, you, you know, FedRAMP will probably overshadow those, which is a, a, a positive thing. Um, and in fact, you know, we are now bringing our automation into the general commercial DevSecOps space to not only help companies just become FedRAMP compliant, but say, look, use this in your commercial environment. And we're actually touting, we use this term we call FedRAMP proven security, right? Um, and so one of the questions that I have is when you, when, when you look at FedRAMP um, and then you look at the executive order and the way that it refers to FedRAMP, what do you see? Mm-hmm. What do you see as FedRAMP's future? Could it become kind of a de facto standard generally for the commercial side? Right. I mean, is that plausible or what do you think about that? Well, appreciate your comment because I, I was going to mention, you know, measure twice, cut once, <laughs> but uh-huh. you're right. It's sort of a, let's say it a two, you know, at least a two for one, uh, if mm-hmm. you're willing to go through the process. I guess first, you know, first let's see what happens with the executive order. Um, you know, in general, we should expect uh, and we should support, you know, any effort that lays out baseline standards and goals and and hopefully, as I said earlier, with some muscle, you know, or teeth and accountability. Um, you know, we're hard at work, you know, uh, delivering, you know, templates, baseline security, configuration assessment services, all these things, scoring tools, anything that we can do to help, you know, our partners and help government security teams you know, deploy new systems or migrate systems that are compliant against a given standard, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, use automation and, you know, and data to track in real time configuration drift and, you know, actually, and actually, in, you know, incoming threats. So I think what's interesting is that, you know, we have FedRAMP, you have, of course, you also have the cybersecurity maturity model certification, and you have the new executive order. And I think in mm-hmm. some way, uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a compliance expert, but uh, it's hard, you know, I, it, it, the logical conclusion is that, we're, you know, we're just seeing um, steady uh, progress toward, let's say, you know, more um, proactive expectations and rigor around supply mm-hmm. chain. I think that's, uh, I think that's really, really important. And I've, you know, I've told um uh, you know, I, I get questions from governments, maybe, you know, in East Asia or Europe, looking at CMMC, looking at FedRAM, thinking, you know, is this something that's going to affect us? Or, you know, I should say, is this something that we could, that we could mimic in our country, you know? And, mm-hmm. and um, so like CMMC is a good example. It might be DOD focused, but, you know, every reason to expect that, that a FedRAM or CMMC type regime will, will make its way into state and local governments or, you know, education, other critical infrastructure and elsewhere. It, it just makes sense. And it's, it's, I think it's the right step. Yeah. And I mean, look, got state ramp now. So, it, right. you know, you see FedRAMP coming into the state and, and, and I yep. think that, and so we, we see something similar. It, it's fascinating. It's, it's really appreciate your, your thoughts on that. And, yeah. 
Look, Mark, we could talk to you for two hours. We could talk to you all day. There's, I mean, we, I, I, it feels like we just touched the tip of the iceberg here, Scott. But, um, but look, it was a fantastic discussion, Mark. Uh, we really appreciate having you with us today. Um, so thank you so much for for joining us. And and again, often our listeners uh, listen to our guests, and, and sometimes they they might want to. Uh, reach out, get in touch. Uh, if any of our customers want to get in touch with you in any way, uh, tell us where they should go. Is there an, is there a website? Is there a social handle or, or uh, anywhere they can go? Sure. You can visit uh, microsoft.com slash security. And you can also uh, uh, just find me online. I'm on LinkedIn. You can also just email me, uh, M-A-R-M-C-I at microsoft.com. Definitely look forward to answering any questions I can. Well, uh, thank you, Mark. And um, uh, remember, everyone, the Security on Cloud podcast is brought to you by Anishin, the leading cloud security and compliance automation provider, delivering the fastest path to security and compliance in the cloud. Thanks, Scott. And thanks again to our guest, Mark McIntyre. Until we meet again, I'm John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. We'll see you next time on Anishin Radio. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Security on Cloud podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe so that you can join us again for another episode. And for tips, show notes, and more episodes, check us out at Anishan.com. See you next time. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast. It's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.